This episode of Her Brilliant Health Radio is brought to you by the Shine Shake. It's a detoxifying, energizing, and hormone balancing shake. 18 grams of clean protein, low glycemic index. You don't need a blender. Put it in your shaker bottle with water and you're out the door. It has clean caffeine from the Kona coffee plant in Hawaii as well as lots of nutrients that will keep you fueled throughout the day. Check it out at kirandunstonmd.com. You're listening to Her Brilliant Health Radio, episode number 43. She used to deliver babies, but now she delivers exceptional wellness for women. Welcome to Her Brilliant Health Radio, where holistic women's health expert and board-certified OBGYN, Dr. Kieran Dunstan, shares revolutionary insight from leading experts on what you need to know today to treat the root cause of disease, heal, and create the radiant health you've been searching for. everybody, it's Dr. Kieran here for another episode of Her Brilliant Health Radio. Please help me welcome my guest, Leanne Ely. I'll tell you a little bit about her. Dubbed the mother of menu planning by Reader's Digest, Leanne Ely is a certified nutritionist and the host of SavingDinner.com, which brings families closer together by providing them the tools and inspiration to enjoy healthy and easy-to-prepare meals. Her syndicated column, The Dinner Diva, appears in 250 newspapers nationwide. She writes a popular food for thought column on flylady.net and hosts the Dinner Diva radio show on Blog Talk Radio. Ely also writes her own e-zine, Healthy Foods, and is the author of 10 books, including the recent Body Clutter, which was a New York Times bestseller. Please help me welcome Leanne Ely. Well, hi, Leanne. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. This is so much fun. It's wonderful to have you. I love the topic of food. I love food. (laughs) And I love people who help us have a better relationship with food. Thank you. So thank you for that. Well, that's what I'm all about. So excited to be here. Yeah. And you are obviously very dedicated to helping people have that better relationship, be healthier, around food and have it bring us together. How did it become so important in your life? Well, you know, I'll do the short version (laughs) of the long story, but essentially I had my own catering business years and years ago when I was a young woman with another, another woman, we had a, um, a a pretty substantial little business going on. Mm -hmm. And I remember going into people's homes and seeing children not eating together with their families at the dinner table. I remember it just seemed the kids were eating fish sticks or, you know, some other version of dumbed down food. Um, And then parents would have dinner later. And I was thinking, well, that's just kind of tragic because I always grew up with every night having dinner at our, at our family table. And, you know, you know, my, my situation is I, I had a dysfunctional family and my dad was an alcoholic. And I mean, I had all of the, you know, we have, we all have our stories, right? But that one thing, that one thing of having dinner every night at the table as a family was my one security. 
So I was thinking, how does that translate then to these, you know, these kids who are being brought up without this, this whole thing? And, you know, the moms who are just, you know, out of their mind, crazy busy. And it just, the whole disconnect really, really um, impacted the way I looked at things. And it started there. And then mm -hmm. later on, as I had my own children and my children had both had different health issues that all stemmed from a dairy sensitivity, you know, mm -hmm. one with uh, needing, the doctor was saying she's going to need tubes, the other one with eczema. Once I pulled dairy and I noticed the big difference, I started, I became a nutritionist, started counseling people, and I married those two, basically disciplines, the connectivity part of having dinner together as a family, and then also the secondary part of making sure it's nutritious and appropriate for your family. Oh, I love that. And, and I can identify with that because I came from a very dysfunctional family too. But even after my dad left, my mother, sister, and I always had dinner together as a yep. family every night. And my mother was kind of militant about it. And it didn't. And aren't you thankful now? Yes, right. And it was it's, something that I did with my kids too. Yeah, same here, same here. Right, but that the statistics show that that certainly is dwindling. And so I love that the main mission of your website, savingdinner.com, is to bring families together. Mm -hmm. It's not just to give you recipes to cook nutritious meals. Right, there's a much deeper reason, of yes. course. Yeah. Right, I love that. And a lot of clients that I work with on their health don't cook. And that's probably part of the reason why they're in the jam that they are with their health. And they don't want to cook and they don't know how to cook and they're afraid to even try. So I'd love it if you could share something you're passionate about, which is how cooking can change your life or will change your life. Well, it, it, it really has. I think, I think what we need to do is we need to t stop looking at cooking as, you know, an extracurricular activity. We have to start looking at it. <laughs> as a part of our very basic survival, right? When you go to the dentist and the dentist says to you, hey, you know, only floss the teeth you want to keep. Right. And I always say just cook the meals that you want to impact yourself with nutrition because it's the same exact thing. What we cook is going to impact our health. What's on our plate, what's on the end of our fork is one of the most important things. Unless you think you can get that at a restaurant, I, I will tell you right now that 100% you cannot. Right. Even if you're going to the best farm-to-table restaurant where everything is organic, I guarantee I can walk into their kitchen and find one thing that I'm not going to like. You know, they're not going to have the quality salt that you and I are going to buy. They're not wow. going to have the quality olive oil. They're, not, they're going to have cooking oil of some sort. And mm -hmm. I, I, I experienced this myself. I was in this very upscale farm-to-table restaurant in Santa Barbara. And they had a big open kitchen. And do you know what I saw in this glass enclosed kitchen? They had a little plastic, you know, uh, bottle with the top clipped off with oil that they were squeezing oh. into. And I can guarantee you that oil was not cold pressed avocado oil. No way. That's just right. some garbage that they, I promise you that is the truth. And I have been around the restaurant industry. There is always going to be a problematic ingredient. And let's just face it. Even if money were no option, uh, object, who's going to want to go out to dinner every day? I mean, right. really? Three meals a day? We have to learn how to cook. It's not brain surgery. It's not delivering babies. It's, right. 
simpler than people think. And they get like overwhelmed and scared of it when it's just, you know, a matter of understanding a, a few basic chemistry things in the kitchen and the, the ability to understand spices and putting them together. And you can be a, like amazing cook in no time. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I agree with you about the, the eating out and it's gotten to the point. It's funny because years ago when I was unhealthy, I ate out all the time. And when people would say something about cooking, even though I love to cook and my mother's a chef, I would just feel overwhelmed immediately and think I'm not doing that as if it were an extracurricular activity. <laughs> and now I'm almost restaurant phobic and I would rather I understand because even if they are farm to table, um, I'm going to say I don't want butter on my veggies and then they're going to bring it and it's going to have butter and you know, you know the story. <laughs> it's just... oh, let me just tell you something. I won't even eat a salad in a restaurant anymore. I had so many bad experiences in a sa I had bugs, hair, glass, cardboard, all in salads. And wow. after that, I was just like, salads are just, you know, I, I will make my salad at home. I will not eat one out. I'm just, I'm always like, you know, what's going to be in here? <laughs> I'm just scared to death of it. So, right. I understand. And, and so now I'm pretty phobic about it. And I, I always say nobody can make it better than I make it at Shea Kieran. And Amen. so. <laughs> Amen. So I, I cook, but, but I, as I said, I come from a cooking family. My mother, uh trained at the natural gourmet cookery school in new york and then she wow. did french cooking school and uh really was a, a fabulous chef and my sister and i always like to say that we can burn um <laughs> but for people who don't know how and they're intimidated where do they start well i mean you have to start with some simple things first of all you know there's there are simple recipes that anybody can do and you start there and start getting some su success in those type of things, then you're, you know, later on, you're going to want to take on a pan sauce. You're going to want to understand the, the flavor profiles of food and you're going to want to be a little bit more advanced because it's fun. You know, it is, it is the, the art and craft of cooking is, is something that, like I said, anybody can do. So for example, if um, you have a crock pot or an instant pot, you can just throw some chicken thighs in there. You can put a little you know, taco seasoning in there. You can make it up yourself. You can find recipes online all day long. You don't have to get the MSG laden stuff that, you know, you get at the grocery store, but just a little cumin, a little garlic powder, some oregano, salt and pepper, bada bing, bada bang. You know, at the end of the day, you walk in and you've got, you've got soft tacos you can make. And if you're low carb, you can use a lettuce leaf and just do them mm -hmm. that way. I mean, there's like a hundred different things that you can do. Um, food is an easy thing to, to make and it's, it's extreme and it's a very forgiving, you know, we're not talking about making precision pastries here. We're talking about just making dinner and there's right. a lot of, there's a lot of latitude and a lot of grace there. So it's just, it's a matter of just doing it. You, you learn by doing, follow the directions at first, pick something super easy, make friends with a couple of easy appliances like your instant pot and the mm -hmm. crock pot that I was just talking about. And the next thing you know, you're just going to be cranking out, you know, like four or five meals and you can start adding to your repertoire that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love the one pot meal. The crock pot is your friend. I even used to have a cookbook, the crock pot cookbook. And yes. it had recipes because they're easy. You start it in the morning, it's cooking while you're at work and then you come home and it's ready. Yeah. 
And uh, so I love that. Um, and, and I do think that we can make it more complicated. Sometimes I even do that. And, uh, and then I find when we make it complicated, then we run to get takeout. Of course. And, right. and we don't need to do that. You know, I mean, it, what I like to tell people when they're first starting out is just mm -hmm. make a list, kind of brain dump some food that you know that you can make. Anybody can assemble a good salad. You could buy rotisserie chicken, for heaven's sakes. You know, mm -hmm. not the best, not 100%. Yeah, I'd, right. I'd rather you get your own organic and make it. But, I mean, for heaven's sake, it's, it's still better than mm -hmm. just buying, you know, takeout, you know, and, and get some organic lettuce in a tub already washed, all ready to go, and then put all your, you know, put the things in that you like. You like cucumber, you like tomato, you like whatever it is that you like, and learn how to make a salad dressing, for heaven's sakes. I mean, it's three parts olive oil to one part vinegar, add a little bit of fresh garlic, it's gourmet, and it's, it's a, this much of the cost of buying a bottled dressing, right. which, by the way, unless you're buying the most ex expensive bottled dressing, you're not mm -hmm. getting good ingredients. Again, it's back to that whole thing. Right, that's that's one of the biggest places that people will fall off the wagon with the health because I, if you're listening, I challenge you to read the ingredients on your salad dressing and you oh. will be flabbergasted. Yeah. Um, so not only a lot of sugar, but a lot of artificial flavorings, artificial colorings, stabilizers, preservatives. Emulsifiers, emulsifiers. <laughs> it's awful. Yeah, yeah, so that a simple thing is to make your own make your own salad dressing and it's save so, money. It's a it's great. It's an easy way to do it. Yeah. Why do people think that cooking fresh meals at home is going to cost more? Where did that misperception Such come from? Such a myth. Mm -hmm. You know, when people say, Well, healthy food costs more, I always say to them, you know, a hundred years ago when I was a poor, you know, freelance writer working at home and, you know, working at night and everything. And I wrote tons of, of articles about how to eat thriftily because <laughs> I mm -hmm. did it. And right. I, I, I cooked meals for a family of four for $100 a month. Now, this is back in the early 90s. Because I was a shopper, I knew how to shop it. Now, we were not eating organically. Mm -hmm. We were not eating, you know, GMO free, blah, blah, blah. You know, none of it, we did, didn't have all the peripheral mm -hmm. stuff on it. Um, but we were eating whole food. Mm -hmm. And it was for less than $100, about $100 a month for a family of four. So there right. was a lot of rice. There was a lot of beans. There was a lot of whole chickens. There was meat that was on sale. There was stuff that was slashed down, you know, fresh, mm -hmm. always fresh produce too, by the way. But it was always either on sale or, you know, slightly damaged and I'd buy it and, you know, make it. So why do people have this perception that it's going to cost them more? Is it because of the time factor that they're thinking economically it doesn't make sense? I, I'm just wondering if you have any insight into that because it's confusing. It's to the me. 99 cent menu at, you know, some fast food place that puts the notion okay. out there that makes them think that. Now, you and I are not friends of the fast food establishment. So we don't go there. I mean, I don't, you know, I, I it, we all get the stuff in the mail every week, right? You know, mm -hmm. the newspapers, the, the things saying what's on sale in the grocery store. I'll look at those, but I'll take all that stuff that's the fast food coupons and all that. I throw that all out. I don't even look at it, but I have had 
started to look at it lately because I've had somebody who challenged me on this very question and said, yeah, but you could buy such and such. And so, you know, but you can always buy garbage. You can go to the dollar store and buy, you know, a can of ravioli. Are you going to eat it? I mean, it's, do you, are you really going to go there? Or would you buy, <laughs> I know you won't, but, but right, my right. is that we, we always have the opportunity to make a case on why something is, you know, quote unquote cheaper. But at the long, the big long game and big picture is it's going to mm -hmm. cost you at the doctor's office. And if you've ever seen, a, you know, a diabetic who's had his feet taken off and his legs, and you, and you have, you know, as a doctor, you've seen it. I, I watched my mother um, when I used to go visit her in, her in her, when she lived in this little, you know, retirement village. Mm -hmm. And uh, the guy across the street from her was a diabetic. Mm -hmm. And I'd see him sitting out on his wheelchair with one foot cut off. Then I saw, you know, next time I'd see him with another foot cut off. Then I'd come out, you know, it was just like eating up his legs. And I just thought, wow, it doesn't have to be that way. So maybe he, you know, bought into the whole thing of like food's got to be cheap or you don't buy it. I don't know. Yeah. So I guess when you're comparing it to instant macaroni that's made out of basically garbage that yeah. costs 99 cents and you can give that to four people and you can buy pre-made burgers at a big box store that are extremely cheap and feed four people. If you're comparing a head of lettuce <laughs> or you know some green beans that might cost $3 or $4 to that and uh, maybe a rotisserie chicken, then you are, you're, it is more expensive. But the truth is, so basically you're saying, I can eat garbage for cheaper, so why would I pay more? And, and really, I think that people justify or they don't know how bad it is. Like my kids always say, I don't know if your kids always say this, well, if it weren't healthy, they, they wouldn't allow it. So, <laughs> so I want to know who they are. Right. Actually, they. you're wrong because, yes, I, I, that's what I tell them. Is like I told my kids is that they don't care. <laughs> Understand that they don't they. care. It's right. all and about the money. The, yeah. And that's what I would have to explain to them. No, they are not concerned about that. They, totally. They're, they're not concerned. So if you're listening and you've fallen into that trap of I can eat more cheaply and still be healthy, you're wrong. And probably what is needed is just some education about actually the lack of nutritional value in what you're eating. So sure. you really can eat for a, a reasonable price. You um, can eat clean, super clean, clean. and organic and, and what have you, and that's going to cost you more money, I'm not going to lie. But you can also eat cheap, but you're not going to be eating garbage. But you can't compare garbage to food. There's True. A, it, it is not even food. It's not. It's, <laughs> it's a lot not. of additives. Take a look at the label. Yes, right. Mm -hmm. And so I, I think that that's one issue for people is they think it's going to cost more. And then they think it's going to take more time, which we've already talked about. You can do one pot meals. I, I love one pot meals. The other tip I tell people is make extra whenever you cook and freeze Amen. it. Amen. <laughs> yes. And, you know, I have people do that all the time, you know, in, in all my various programs on saving dinner, too, mm -hmm. is I always say make extra protein for tomorrow's lunch. Tomorrow's, I mean, I'm, I'm doing that today. I'm having a spinach salad with leftover salmon from mm -hmm. last night. And I always 
always, always love making extra whatever because it is, it's a fast and easy meal. And you can freeze it too. If you make extra, extra, you can not only have it for another meal the next day, but you can also um, freeze it, which I think is brilliant. Always having something on hand. Always, always. Mm -hmm. So that saves on the time. And then for the ideas, I love that on saving dinner, you can sign up for menus or recipes what, based on whatever type of diet you follow. Exactly. And it's, talk it's, about that? Uh -huh. Yeah, it's called dinner answers because we answer that question, what's for dinner? And what we do every single week, every Tuesday, we send out to our subscribers, we send out a new menu. Now, the menu is set for them and they have an option to edit it if they want or they can take it as it is, however they want to do it. But there's a, we have a keto style of eating, we have low carb, we have paleo, we have AIP, autoimmune paleo, mm -hmm. and then we have just classic family style, which is it's not gluten-free, it's not dairy-free, but it is a healthier version of you know, the garbage that's out there, mm -hmm. normally out there. You'll never, in other words, you'll never see a casserole um, uh, recipe with a can of soup at it, I promise right. you. Scouts it's honor. all fresh. It's all fresh. It's all fresh, good ingredients. Everything is it's highly identifiable. So mm -hmm. you're not going to get anything weird. But yeah, so we have that we have that every week and um, you know, it's it's just a super easy way to, to go. And it gives you, you know, you you also have access to Saving Dinner's huge database. I've been in business for nineteen years, so you can imagine how many recipes are in there. And uh, you can yes. change it out and customize it to your own liking. Yeah. All the recipes, the blog posts. Yeah, I mean, you you are prolific. And how many? Nine books, right? Um, ten. Ten. Actually. Yes, uh, ten. I missed yes. one. You missed one. Yes, and so very prolific. So I have a, I do have a, something I want to ask you about with the books. But before I do that, I want to know about your new project you were started to tell me about. Um, oh, yeah, I want to tell you about Nutri-Coach. Oh, by the way, here's my, I just want to show you that that is my beautiful. Right lovely? Yeah, lovely. Anyway, I'll get it later. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not gonna eat in front of you. Wouldn't that be awful? <laughs> so I started because you know, my life's work has been bringing families back to the dinner table. Mm -hmm. I have one small disadvantage, though, is it, even though saving dinner got its name from somebody who sent me a beautiful testimonial saying not only did I save their dinner, I saved their marriage because she felt like she was such a failure before in the kitchen. Her husband was like, what's wrong with you? And it was a big conflict in their marriage. And, and when she finally learned how to cook, I taught her how to cook basically just by following my recipes and following my plans with all my books. And so that's how we named Saving Dinner, Saving Dinner. We changed the name from what it was before. But one of the disadvantages that I have um, has been that I, I you know, I only can do what I can do from my computer screen, right? I can show, do a demonstration, so show somebody how to chop an onion. I can give recipes. I can give plans. I can't chop. I can't shop. And I can't cook for you, though. You're going to have to do that yourself. Mm -hmm. So I started this program called NutriCoach. And if you can see it at NutriCoachSchool.com. And basically, it is to empower women who have a passion for cooking and nutrition, bringing those two disciplines together mm -hmm. to a program so that people can then, these people are now can teach how to teach these people how to cook. So in other words, you can have somebody with a cook, doing private cooking lessons in your house, somebody comes in and meal preps, somebody who does private chefing even for you. 
and they're all Nutra coaches. So they they've gone through my methodology. Mm -hmm. And they've been educated on, you know, good nutrition. And we are, you know, agnostic when it comes to nutrition. We don't, you know, we just preach whole healthy foods. You know, how, how that's going to be expressed in your family is totally up to you because we mm -hmm. all, you know, we all have our own inner nutritional guru, I believe. So yes. we've got to follow that. And um, that, so that's what's going on with that. And it's, it's super exciting. I just had my first graduates. Um, go through the program and they're they're doing great there's a huge need for that out there there is i love that so Thank congratulations you. that's wonderful i'm excited about it yes there's a huge need for that and so can people access graduates if they're looking for somebody to cook for them yeah we you're, are getting yeah it, all you'd have to do is right now write an email to support at savingdinner.com and we will connect you with somebody if there's somebody in your area mm -hmm. what we have right now though is um, what we're working on right now is we're gonna have a whole NutriCoach directory on the saving dinner um, uh, website so people can go there and you know look through and find someone mm -hmm. awesome we're excited about that yeah yeah congratulations I love thank that you. thank you and I wanted to ask you about your the book that you wrote, Body Clutter, that was the New York Times bestseller. I really had a look at that, and I loved what you were talking about there, because I know your other books are really focused on the food, but this is focused on a lot about what's going on between your ears. Mm-hmm. And it's a big part of what I talk with people about when it comes to food. So I'd love if you could talk a little bit about how that came about and what it's about. Yeah, well, it was, a, it was um, about a journey that I went on along with Marla Silly, the co-author of the book. And we um, both, she, she had a health crisis and I just had a fat crisis. I mean, I honestly, I was over 200 pounds. And um, I said, well, you know what? <clears throat> I've been doing a lot of reading. This is what we need to do. Here's how we need to do it, and I'll do it with you. And we went through the process, and we both lost 52 pounds, mm -hmm. and fairly quickly. It was it was a simple thing. Now some of the you know, and then it stopped working, and that's another story entirely. But you know, some of the the the, um, the ideas in the book are good, um, mm -hmm. but the the methodology. I don't recommend eating several small meals a day anymore. It might work mm -hmm. for a period of time, but at the end of the day, you know, we need to honor our appetites and honor our blood sugar. And we can't do that if we're constantly grazing like little cows out in the field. You know, we don't have five stomachs. We're not, we're not supposed to be doing that. <laughs> <laughs> Although it feels like sometimes. Sometimes it does. Yes. I agree with you totally on that. Yes. Yes. My fifth stomach is wanting another meal. Oh, there, there goes that room again, you know. <laughs> I think I'll just throw it up and start chewing it again. I mean, we, we are not built for that, right? <laughs> Thank God. That, can you imagine how disgusting that would be, just sitting there talking to somebody, all of a sudden you just barf up your meal and start chewing it on again? Blech. It's pretty gross. It is not a good conversation piece. So, so, um, so what is the concept of body clutter? It's about why, what defines our relationship with food and why yes. we eat things. Big, exactly. I mean, you know, it's, it's suddenly um, having this realization that you have, a, you have a, lot, a whole heck of a lot more control than you think you do, number one. Number two, it's more about having, you know, loving yourself 
and honoring yourself for where you are today. And because of that, because of loving yourself that much, that you're, gonna, you're going to give yourself what you need. You're not going to be that person who, you know, is going to, you know, I, I have a story in there on how I was sitting in my car just snarfing uh, M&Ms on, you know, driving home or whatever and eating so many that it cut the roof of my mouth. And I couldn't even taste them anymore, but I just kept eating them. And that when I got to the place of just accepting myself for where I was in my size 18 jeans mm -hmm. and in my, you know, just, just getting a new bra instead of wearing the old nursing bra that I had been wearing, even though my kids were teens, mm -hmm. you know, I just felt like I was never worthy of it until I got down to my right size, I wasn't going to take care of myself. And when I decided to start taking care of myself, even where I was, even though I was still eating those, you know, what M&Ms, mm -hmm. um, I, I st things started to turn around. And I realized my worth was a lot more than what my jean size was, what color my lipstick was, or anything else. My worth wasn't about my size. It was about who I was as a woman inside. And that translated into taking better care of myself. I got the clothes, I got a bra that fit, and then suddenly I wasn't as interested in the M&Ms. Now, I had a little bit of a battle with the sugar because it's mm -hmm. an addiction. I mean, for heaven's yes. sake, let's just call it what it is. Right. But once I got through it, then I was able to get into the place of, you know what, okay, I want to lose this weight, let's go. But you have to put that self-worth part in place first. It's so key. Um, yes. And it's funny, just even with my journey where I lost 100 pounds, uh, I had, yeah, I had given up on losing the weight. I weighed two, over 240 pounds, and I had tried. seven, girl. We could have. Right. <laughs> right on. And um, I had tried, you know, Phenermine and Nutrisystem oh. and all Weight Watchers, Jenny Craig, all of that, right? And because I wanted to lose the weight, wanted to lose the weight because I knew I would feel better about myself if I lost the weight. But then I finally gave up on losing the weight because I thought it was hopeless, honestly, at the time. But then when I discovered functional medicine, I thought, well, this looks like it could get me healthy. I don't know if it'll help me lose the weight, but I just want to feel better. And mm. so when I went for the, the health and addressed the root causes, then the weight just started peeling right off of me it's because it's almost way. like I was, I was hating myself in trying to lose the weight by all these punitive dep de deprivation methods. Sure. But I was loving myself by treating the root cause of what was making me sick. And then the weight just came off. Oh. And so, you know, shifting that focus, I love what you just said about, yeah, you, you really can't lose weight when you're judging and rejecting yourself because you're eating M&Ms in your size 18 jeans in the parking lot. And, you know, a lot of us have been there. Yeah, we get stuck there. And I think, you know, I think the worst conversation, the worst uh, put down artist in the world is the conversation that we're having between our ears. You know, it's just, it's just so, like you said, it's punitive. It's, it's, it's damaging. And, it, and we don't even realize half the time that we're doing it. You know, it's just such an, it's a reflex. You know, what do we say where we're, we go shopping with our girlfriends? Oh my God, I'm so fat. Oh, I can't wear this. And we're in, you know, these horrible, we're trying clothes on and we leave, you know, depressed 
or with just something we've thrown in the bag, we don't feel good about ourselves. Everything that we do is we, well, not everything, but you know, you know what I'm saying, but so much of what we do is just a reflection of how we feel about ourselves. I'm so fat. I can't wear that. Look at me. Oh my gosh, you look so good. Look at me. We, we do this whole comparative thing and it's just, it's, it just doesn't get us to where we want to go. We start concentrating on feeling good and feeling better about ourselves and, you know, even dressing the size 18 body. And yeah, things change. Do you notice that the younger gen, the millennials, that they're having more self-acceptance around body image and, and who they are? Yeah, I mean, I think so. There's mm -hmm. certainly a whole lot more of a movement toward that. Mm -hmm. um, but I, you know, I, 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 think, I think that's true. Do you think that's true? Yes, I, that's my observation. And so I just am curious if other people are noticing that too. I actually interviewed a woman a couple months ago who's over 350 pounds and she's actually a body positive mentor and leader. And um, she has probably the best self-esteem of anyone I've ever talked to. That's really yeah, very inspiring woman. Um, I think too, you, you have to also make a, you know, you have to find yourself somewhere in the middle of acceptance and also understanding that you're putting your health at risk too, because at 350 pounds, you are putting your health at risk, aren't you? You're a doctor. Yeah. Well, yes. And we had that conversation and she said she's been to her doctor and all her labs are normal, which is by the American standard. But sure. I do think it's a matter of time. Eventually. Of course. That's a lot of stress to put on your body too. Right. And, and then it's huge stress on your blood vessels, pushing all the blood through those, oh, I know. you know, thousands of miles of blood vessels and then on your joints. Um, so I just think it's a matter of time. She's young. And yeah. so eventually, if she stays there, then probably her uh, body will start to reflect that. She's having microscopic problems that the tests she's do, having done are not showing up. Probably sure. if she had a functional medicine evaluation, that would show Be up. a little bit different. Yeah, right. so I think there's a balance there that we have to strike. Yeah. I mean, you know, you don't need to be horrible to yourself because you weigh 350 pounds. And, you know, you, you should have some good self-esteem, but you should also take a look. I mean, it's like anything, you know, if, if I have, you know, a piece of lettuce hanging out of my teeth, I'm going to want to get it out, you know, and if you have some, you have something that's just, that's, you know, that's hanging over your head and, and having all that extra weight hanging over your head is, is at some point is going to cause a lot of problems. So I don't know. I did, that's how I look at it, you know, having been over, you know, almost 240 pounds and lost all that weight, you know, I, I lost 52 pounds, gained it back, then lost 70 pounds. So, I mean, I know, um, just like you, I mean, you lost 100. I mean, you get into this groove of losing that weight, but if you don't lose the mindset that helped you to get there in the first place and putting yourself down, you know, it's, you're going to have that continual battle. Right. And any advice you've been, you're a mom and you've worked with food for years for parents who maybe are dealing with children, school age children, maybe grade school, middle school, high school, who are demonstrating that they have some compulsive activity around food. Any advice for how they should handle that? I know when I was a kid, I certainly had that. Yeah. And 
um, I don't think that the, the adults around me necessarily knew how to handle that. Yeah, I mean, that's, that is a, it, that's a tough one. Um, mm-hmm. But it, there, because there's so many things that, you know, could be the trigger to that. I mean, there's, there's sensory issues that are involved. There's a lot of different things. So I think that my advice is, is if you want to raise good, healthy eaters, then be a good example of a good, healthy eater, number one. And number two, I don't think you should be giving kids, um, you know, kids meals. I think they're ridiculous. There's nothing that drives me more crazy than seeing that, you know, little dinosaur shaped chicken nuggets. And what, what the heck is in there? And they're only vegetables, ketchup, you know, I mean, that's so such nonsense. And we can't do that to our children. We think about it. You know, these, these kids are really in a, in a, in a, for those next 12, 14 years or whatever, they're in this place of amazing growth and you're giving them, you're asking them to build a house with toothpicks and glue. You know, you need to set that foundation strong and solid. They need, you know what they need. I don't have to give a lecture. So that, and, and then, you know, the other thing is too, you know, compulsive activities, you can give them other things to do. You know, one of the things that, um, you know, I had a woman who told me that she had a real, her daughter was like hiding, like compulsively eating food and, and, Mm -hmm. um, hiding stuff and all that. And I said, well, first of all, let's do a pantry raid and see what, what are you keeping in your house? Don't, don't keep that stuff. You know, don't keep the Oreos. Don't keep stuff. Don't do that and call it treats. You know, there's, there's other things that you can do be mm-hmm. less food oriented and, you know, take them outside, you know, take them outside. That's my, always my thing. Take them outside, get them <laughs> out of the house. Um, so that's one. And then two, um, get them familiar with food. One of the mm-hmm. things that I did with my children was, I mean, we all the way to the point of we had a garden and I, I let them garden so they could see where green beans came from and go pick uh-huh. a tomato and all of that. And it's, it's fascinating. They start to learn about what food is and where it came from. And if you ever see how Jamie Oliver did a whole thing on food yes. revolution and kids, he was asking, he was holding up potatoes. They didn't know what it was. Kindergartners. Yes. So there's a clue there that when you don't understand and appreciate where your food came from and everything is, you know, processed and what have you, yeah, that's what they're going to develop their palate toward, but mm-hmm. we can develop their palate toward spinach salads with salmon on them. And we can, mm-hmm. we can do that as long as we keep introducing it. And the other thing is, you know, this, the science shows us that kids typically need an introduction to a food six to eight times before they'll accept it. That doesn't mean we have to have them sitting in front of some zucchini weeping into it for hours, <laughs> you know, like, oh my God, you're trying to kill me, mom. You know, just simply introduce it. If they don't eat it, make sure there's other things on, the, on their plate. But, you know, also if they do eat it, good reward, put a gold sticker on the calendar, whatever, and give them a non-food treat, like, right. you not know, a, cookie. a bike ride, not a cookie, <laughs> yeah, a bike ride or doing some kind of an outdoor activity or whatever. I think the, the focus on food, you know, you and I are both foodies, right? We, I mean, we love food. The focus on food needs to be at mealtime and not constant, like I said, constant grazing. We're not little baby cows. We are, we are humans and three meals a day is, is certainly adequate. And mm-hmm. children maybe need a snack or two 
but make sure that it's something that's, that's not one of those traditional snack foods and everything is whole foods. You know, my kids used to eat carrots and hummus and things like that. And I just didn't have it. You know, people would always ask me at my mommy and me classes when I went with my little three-year-old and they'd say, you know, it was cold one day and I was, oh, I gave him a lentil stew. It had all these vegetables in it. And they said, he'll eat that. And I said, yeah. And they said, oh, I wish my kid, you know, their kids are eating, you know, the usual little snackable things like, yeah. you know, what's that? And, and, and they said, how did you get him to eat that? And I said, he didn't have a choice. I mean, exactly. I you know, and, and that's the other thing too, is if a child does decides that they don't want to eat it, eat something, honor that, but don't give them a backup meal. Right. You know, don't go in the kitchen and make them a macaroni, you know, macaroni and cheese out of a box or a grilled cheese sandwich or something because they don't like what you put out that night. Let them have their determining. Make sure something is, is there that they like, but also don't give them a backup plan. And you don't have to be a shrew about it. You know, you just simply say, okay, well, that's your choice. I'm going to honor that. You know, I think that's how we honor each other's personhood too. Right. And, and your kid's not going to starve your kid. When they get hungry, they will eat what you've given to them because I if promise it's not, you, this bad, is not Afghanistan. The Red <laughs> right. Cross truck is not pulling out and people are going to starve. It's not that, mm -hmm. you know, this is, we, we, this is the land of plenty, but our kids, our kids are not going to die. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it's interesting because my mom was very health food conscious. As I said, she studied mm -hmm. with Anne-Marie Colbin in New York and uh, she cooked just beautiful meals for us. And that's exactly how she was. This is what's for dinner. And mm -hmm. if we didn't like it, there wasn't anything else. We didn't have any mac and cheese in a box in our house. Yep. So that was what you ate. But this is what I, I used to do. And we lived in an apartment building in New York. So I used to go over to my girlfriend's house, whose mother had Captain all the, Crunch, the, all the things and all the stuff. Yes. <laughs> I'd go over to her house and have some contraband food. My kids did the same thing. And as a matter of fact, when my daughter was in, you know, I made homemade yogurt and I did all this stuff. And so I remember she had kids to um, our house when she was in high school for, I mean, she always had kids over and they said, oh, Mrs. Ely, I just remember you made the best homemade yogurt. I was like, well, how, you know, how the heck did you, yeah, because in Caroline, Caroline would look at me, you know, and she would trade her good food for the kids other crappy <laughs> things, you know? yeah for captain crunch and yeah yeah and <laughs> and you know it's funny but my kids went through the whole thing in high school and i knew it was going to happen they're going to go through and try all the you know the garbage and whatever but both of them have both said you know they're both whole foods cooks now you know and i taught them really? how to cook oh yeah um, well, I mean, not as a living, but they both, but they, 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 they know how to cook for themselves. Of course, you know, I better be <laughs> mama's preaching here and, and, um, and that's what they eat. They don't eat garbage, you know? Yeah, that's great. And, and so, so important for, for their health. I probably, I think that's the number one skill that you could give your children when it comes to promoting their future health is absolutely. How, how to have a palate for healthy food, how to know how to source it and cook it and, and prepare it. And, um, and all of that really is a way for them to love themselves and love the people around them. Yeah. And yeah. for them to have the best health they can possibly have. <laughs> right.
Okay. Well, so wonderful to talk with you today and pick your brain for wisdom. And you have so yeah. much experience with food and, and life. And I think you bring so much to the table. I'm so excited for your new project and Thank you, what you're going to pour into these people who are going to go out into the world and support humanity with their quest. Healthy food. Yeah. Let's start a revolution. Let's make it happen. Right. Yes. Yeah. So thank you so much. I'm going to invite everyone to uh, go to savingdinner.com. Any other resources you'd like to share or how they can find out more? Well, if they're, they have a passion for cooking and nutrition and they want to learn how to do this themselves and have a new career, go to NutriCoachSchool.com and uh, I'll, take you, I'll take you on that ride. Awesome. Yeah. So definitely, if you're listening and you're inspired, NutriCoachSchool.com, and we'll put it in the show notes as well. Thank you so much, Leanne. So much. Really appreciate Enjoyed it. Thank you. Appreciate it. <laughs> Thank you for joining me for this episode of Her Brilliant Health Radio. Hopefully, you are inspired to take action on some new information you received today, a step towards the bountiful, blissful, beautiful vitality that you deserve. If you have health topics and questions you'd like addressed, please message me on my Facebook page or visit KieranDunstonMD.com and let me know. I'd love to help. Remember to share this podcast on social media and send it to your friends and family who could benefit from it too. If you love the show, please go right now to iTunes, write a review, and make sure to subscribe to the podcast so you'll be the first to know when future episodes are available. Thank you again for joining me, and remember, achieving optimal health isn't magic, it's science.